we're really grateful for our worship team and um, especially uh, grateful for Darren and Bridget um, sort of and well Nick, I'm getting to you Nicholas don't worry uh, really grateful for Darren and Bridget and Nicholas um, it, there's more to it than just getting up here and singing songs every Sunday morning there's a lot of work that goes into it um, preparing praying about what songs to do figuring out what keys to do it in um, getting the, the lyrics in the in the computer back there and there's just a lot that goes into it and so um, just I hope we don't ever take that for granted nor what you know our, our folks in our children's ministry do in the youth ministry do and all of that stuff so thank you to the worship team for everything that you do to lead us in worship every every Sunday morning so um, well, good morning, and I hope everyone had a, a wonderful Christmas. I know that we did, and I'm sorry. I'm just going to probably be reading a lot of my notes this morning rather than looking up, so bear with me, but we'll get through it together. So, um, I, But really, I do hope that everybody uh, had a great Christmas and was able to enjoy some old traditions, maybe create some new ones, especially this year. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of different things had to happen this Christmas, and so I know everybody probably created some new tradition, and so I hope you were able to do that with your family. Uh, for us, Christmas is always such a really, you know, a really wonderful time of year. Uh, not because society tells us that it's the most wonderful time of the year, but really uh, because we all grew up in a home, at least I grew up in a home, where Christmas meant more than just presents and getting together for food and something like that. It's, it's really about a relationship with the, the, with the one who was born, and that's the reason we celebrate. And so... Um, so, and, and I realize that Christmas and the reason for the season can probably change from person to person, and I realize that. And the true meaning for Christmas is uh, is to one person what it is. It's it's not at all to one person what it could be to the to the next person. And each of us have our own interpretation of the season. But one thing is always consistent, and that's Jesus Christ. And so today I'm going to bring you a message for which I think that God has prepared you for and and myself for in the weeks leading up to this. And I believe that God has each of us in this building for a very specific purpose this morning. Um, December 27th, usually the, the Sunday after uh, Christmas uh, at, at church, it's, it's pretty sparse, you know, and I, we're not too far off from being sparse this morning, but um, I really do believe that God has each one of us here for a very specific purpose this morning. And so uh, a divine appointment to meet with God and, and our fellow believers. And, um, and I just... I pray and I hope that we don't let this opportunity pass us by to just lean into his word this morning and to his message to us this morning, and we just hear from the Lord. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open us in prayer, and then we'll get started. Father, we thank you, Lord, for everything that you do for us. God, we're just so grateful, not only for this building, for these people, God, this city that we can, that we can operate this church in, God, we can be a part of a a group of believers that lives in this town. We can minister to the people in the, of this town and this state. And God, we just thank you so much for this building and for the people that, that occupy it. And God, we know that this building is not your church, but it's the people that occupy it. And as we go out, even after this morning, God, I just pray that we would be a light and an example to those around us. God, we pray for Pastor Mike and Jamie and their kids as they're away. God, just give them safe travels as they return home. God, I just pray that you would not use, or uh, God, that, that my words uh, would not come out of me this morning, but Father, that your words through me would come out of me this morning, God, that it would just not only minister to the people here, but Father, to me as well. And so, God, I know that you um, have a, a, a plan and a purpose for each of us, not only throughout our lives, but in this very moment together this morning. And so we just, 
We, we, Father, we pray that you would just guide and lead um, us as a church. And, Father, we just and may everything that we say and do always be pleasing towards you. God, we love you, and we thank you so much, Father, for sending your one and only Son to this earth to die for our sins and then to raise him up three days later, later God signifying the new life that we can have in you. We thank you for that. We thank you again for everything you've done for us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. You all are going to really have to bear with me this morning. I'm sorry. Uh, you're, you're all experiencing something that's a first for not only me, but for you and this church. But uh, I'm preaching my first sermon ever. And so um, I have been in, I've stood in this spot for many, many years at this church and, and other churches as well but I've never actually stood behind the pulpit to bring a message to a church. So it's going to be interesting, so just bear with me. And I'm going to have to drink a lot of water, so there'll be a lot of pauses and awkward silences. So, <clears throat> Oh, goodness. And I can see how easy it is to lose track of your notes. So kudos to you, Jason, and Pastor Mike, and Charlie, for you guys make it seem so easy. But... Uh, Anyways, oftentimes, I mean, as the worship leader standing up here, I, I tend to spend, really, the worship leader tends to spend more time on the stage than the pastor, and so while I'm, I'm not new to standing in front of you all, this is certainly a new expedition for me, and uh, I am absolutely terrified of speaking in front of people. I always have been, and I probably always will be, um, but for me, it's really easy. If, if I picked up this guitar, I could stand here and sing in front of you all, all day long, and that's not a big deal, and it's, that's never really made me that nervous, but... For some reason, talking in front of people is is very scary. Well, I could, yeah. <laughs> oh goodness! Um, but here I am, and so one thing that I do know is that uh, is that God uses us no matter our fears. God is intentional and can use the weakest or meekest person to change the world. And while I don't believe that this message this morning will probably change the world if one person can leave here with a different outlook or a different perspective on what they're called to be as a follower of Christ, then his will will be done. And I know for me, leading up to this, the weeks leading up to this and preparing, it's changed my life as well. So, And this morning I want to speak about joy, and that's uh, uh, pretty typical this time of year uh, with the song Joy to the World and Christmas music and all of that stuff. Um, but who here, uh, I mean, show of hands, who here loves Christmas music? Most of you, wow, most of you, okay. <laughs> well, who here despises Christmas music? Wow, four of you. Okay, wow, that's pretty sad. Well, I'm. Uh, I love Christmas music, and I could probably listen to Christmas music all year long. Growing up in uh, late November, early December, uh, we would go down to our our basement, and we would bring up what seemed like an unlimited supply of Christmas decorations and boxes. It felt like we were doing that for like days on end, but really. Looking back, there was only like 10 boxes. It really wasn't that big of a deal. But it felt like an eternity. But we would get up, you know, we would pull up the Christmas decorations, and in that was a little CD that we always put in our CD player in the kitchen, and we would listen to all the classics from Brenda Lee and Nat King Cole and all of that stuff. But one song in particular always stuck out, and that's just Joy to the World. It's just such a, you know, it's, that's the song that people think of when it's, when it's Christmas time. And so in the spirit of Christmas and that song, we're going to be focusing today on, uh, on joy. And we're going to discuss it in several different capacities. One, first of all, what can steal our joy? Second of all, what can bring us joy? And third of all, what brings God joy? 
So let's start off our Sunday after Christmas sermon with things that can steal our joy. What do you say? Great topic, things that can steal our joy. So in one or two words, just shout out, what are some things that steal joy? <laughs> I agree. Chris, kids that don't like Christmas music. Anything else? Sin, loneliness, sickness, trials, um, our circumstances, depression, all of that stuff can, can steal our joy. But this morning, I, I really want to just kind of focus in on fear. And like me, I mean, I'm standing up here and I'm terrified to be doing this. But um, again, I mean, I know that, that God has a specific plan and purpose for this message and for me being up here this morning. So there's a lot of things that can steal our joy. But again, we're going to focus on a couple of them this morning. And first off is fear. Um, and leading up to this moment, my mind has been so focused on what I can't do. And that's really where we find ourselves a lot when it comes to fear is when we focus on what we can't do. And in some ways, my joy has been squandered in that because leading up to this, again, my mind has been focused on what I can't do. And when we focus on what we can't do, our joy will cease and fear will take over. And the Bible talks a lot about fear, so let's check out some passages this morning that address fear. So if you'll turn to Psalms 23.4, this is a pretty common verse. I think everyone probably has heard it or knows it. Psalms 23, 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Luke 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And this is my favorite one out of all these, Deuteronomy 3.22. And it says, you shall not fear them, for it is the Lord your God who fights for you. And no matter what situation you find yourself in this morning, and it's been an interesting year, it really has been. It's been stressful, it's been hard, it's been tough for some. It's been good for others, but for most of us, um, it's been a really, really tough year. And no matter the situation that we find ourselves in this morning and at this very moment, I hope you know that the Lord is fighting for you. And you may feel beat down, you may feel worn out, and it's, again, it's been a long year, and we're all tired and we're all worn out, but don't give up. And I, it, it, we can't go through this life alone, and so we have to have somebody that's fighting for us, and that's the Lord. Is fear a sin? And that's... That's something I kind of reflected on over the last few weeks is like, well, I mean, really sin is, or fear is not a sin. Um, fear is our reaction to a threat or a certain situation, and, and we also shouldn't feel guilty for having fear. Um, when you feel guilty for having fear in a situation of threat, that's like feeling guilty for being hungry uh, when you haven't eaten. That's just something that our bodies do naturally. The challenge is we have to respond appropriately. And so a few things, a few ways that, that, that we do feel fear is, first of all, fear of man. Um, we feel, we, we do fear what others think about us. Just like me this morning, I've feared and feared and feared for the last few weeks of what you all would think this morning while I'm up here preaching. And you know what? No offense, but it just doesn't matter. You know? And I, I, mean, I mean that in the nicest way possible. I value what each and every one of you think, but at the end of the day, it's not about that. We fear what others think about us. We fear how others may talk about us or how they interact with us. We have fear of self. 
and I think we all struggle with this to some degree, but we all have a level of fear in our own abilities. And then we also have fear of danger. And as humans, God instilled in us a natural mechanism to feel fear when we're in a, in a certain threatening situation or something like that, and that is fear. It's something inside of us that obviously just says, hey, this isn't right, or I should, uh, I should step away from this. This is going to have bad consequences, and we all have it. Um, and so when, in thinking about that, I was thinking back to uh, my youth days when it seems so long ago now. Um, but does anyone remember, we went to, I think it was maybe Windermere, but they have these obstacle courses that you go through, and there's one that's a, it's a telephone pole that just sticks up out of the ground. And you climb up the telephone pole, and you stand on top of this little, you know, it's like this big with your two feet, and you have to jump off and grab this bar that's in the air. You're tethered in and all of that stuff. Does anybody remember that? Jason, I know you do. Oh, yeah. We did. So, um, <laughs> uh, but I, I just remember thinking back to that. Um, I, I, as equally, I'm equally as terrified of heights as I am of speaking in front of people. So, um, I had a real issue with that. But, uh, but this one, this one particular obstacle course, I, I needed to try because, as a 13-year-old boy, I looked around and there were several pretty girls around. And so, naturally, as a boy, you just do things. You do really, really ridiculous and stupid things because there are women present. And so, uh, naturally, as as a 13-year-old boy, my, my fear had left my mind and my my silly 13-year-old boy brain had taken over. And so I harnessed up and I, I, I climbed up, uh, clipped into the rope and I started to climb. And uh, I've always been a larger fella, but at this time of my life, I was probably in the best shape that I've ever been in. Um, and I remember I always wore cutoff t-shirts. And so I, uh, I was wearing a cutoff t-shirt and I made it really clear to all of the ladies around my biceps as I was pulling myself up the pole. But I also used it as a warning sign to the other guys. You know what I'm talking about, guys. You know, you just need to make sure and assert your dominance as the, as the male uh, in the group, so. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, so, uh, I remember not having much trouble climbing the pole until the very last few steps. And if anybody's ever done it, I mean, it's extremely diff I find it anyways extremely difficult to make those last three or four steps and then to actually stand on top of the pole. And you look at a telephone pole and you think they're pretty sturdy or whatever, but when you're up there like 25 feet off the ground and it's only this big, it's like, it's really, it's, it's really not stable. So uh, once you make it to the top, you're supposed to be able to jump off and grab onto this handle. And so as I made my way to the top, I remember it did take me forever to get up there. But when I got up there, I was literally shaking with fear. And uh, I think that's sometimes where we find ourselves, you know, in certain situations, we literally shake with fear. And if we're not literally shaking with fear, inside we're shaking with fear. But I stood up there and I was shaking with fear. And at this point, my 13-year-old male brain had kind of shut off and I didn't really care about the girls at this point. All I wanted to do was make sure that I didn't die when I jumped off of this thing. And so another concern for us husky fellows is that if I don't make this, am I really certain that the harness that I'm in is going <laughs> to is going to catch me? And like in your brain you just think if I fall, the thing is in your brain sometimes you just you play it over in your mind, but it's like the harness is going to just disintegrate into like a million pieces and you're just going to fall and, and die, but 
and now looking back, you could probably strap an elephant to it and it wouldn't break. It's just in your in your mind, you're just terrified of all of that stuff. And so, uh, but the the long and the short of that is fear had taken over. I mean, I found myself in a place where all I could see were the bad things that were going to happen. I won't make it to the bar. I'll probably fall off this thing and hurt myself or or worse. And look on the in looking back on the situation, and hindsight is almost always twenty twenty. That if I could have just focused on the task and not the fear, I would have made it. I mean, I would have made it no problem. And those obstacles are designed for people like me to make it. So it's, I mean, it's, you can do it, but they're there to teach you how to push through the fear. And so after processing all these things in my mind and my legs stopped shaking enough for me to jump, I jumped. And so who here thinks that I might have <laughs> made it and grabbed the bar? Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. More people than I thought would say yes. Well, I didn't make it. Uh, my hands were so sweaty that when I just grabbed on the bar, it was just kind of like oil, and I just like slipped. I just slipped off. Um, but my harness did catch me, so that's good. Uh, but like we mentioned earlier, we fear ourselves, and we have some some level of self doubt. Much like that last story, I didn't have as much doubt in the pole staying upright or that the bar would catch me if I jumped and grabbed onto it, but my fear was that I couldn't do it, and I just feared my own abilities. So just like that story, I mean, we fear what others might think about us. I feared what other guys or gals that were standing there might think if I couldn't make it. Well, I didn't make it, and I don't. I guess now at this point, I don't really know what they thought about me, or I guess at this point care what they thought about me. I just I was focused on making sure I didn't die. But, uh, you know, we, we tend to fear what others think about us. We fear what others think if we don't drive the nice car, if we have the nice house, or eat at certain restaurants. We fear a lot. We really, really do. And we also worry a lot. And, and worry and fear can absolutely cripple us. But God reminds us over and over again that, that, uh, that we should not fear, doubt, or worry. Psalms 34.4 said, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7 Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, we're all, I think we're all familiar with this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then Proverbs 3 five through eight, another one that we're all familiar with, I think, but it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring you health to your body and nourishment to your bones. So first of all, first of all, fear and worry can steal our joy. So let's kind of transition now to what, uh, what can bring us joy. So um, if you all, maybe just one or two words, shout out something that brings you joy. What's that? Grandkids. Coffee, food, grandkids. Um, sorry, one more. Family, yep. Yeah, children, your spouse, hopefully, brings you joy. Uh, your job, your church. And when we think of joy, we think of happiness, don't we? I mean, really, that at, at the end of the day, when we think of joy, that's we, we think happy. We think of the good things that happen and how that make us feel. And in Webster's Dictionary, joy is defined as a feeling of great pleasure or happiness. But the biblical definition of joy can seem somewhat different than Webster's, can it? 
Because when we look at the Bible, at what the Bible says about joy, we oftentimes see that it seems to tell us that we should be joyful even when our circumstances dictate otherwise. So let's look at several passages from Scripture that hint at this. Let's turn to James 1, verses 2 through 4. I'll give you some time to get there. James 1, 2 through 4. Sorry, I don't have anything on the screen other than this. I did make this several years ago, so that I, I, I did put that up there. James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials, or trials of various kinds. It's not really that encouraging, but we'll, we'll get to that here in a second. Hebrews 2, 1 through 2, sorry, I mean, excuse me, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the same, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So for many of us, we tend to struggle finding joy in tough situations. We often worry and we're stressed, we're sad, even to the point of acting out sometimes. We struggle with our finances because it's really hard to find joy when you're unsure how you're gonna pay your rent or your mortgage. We struggle with friendships because it's hard to find joy when your friends may lie about you, slander your name, spread rumors or gossip about you. We, find, we struggle with addictions because it's hard to find joy in pornography, drugs, alcohol, and those things can bring temporary pleasure, but pure and true joy is non-existent in those things. We struggle with our marriage because it's hard to find, it's hard to find joy when you spend all night arguing with each other and blaming each other. So why would the Lord say, count it all joy when you face temptations and trials of various levels? If we just look at the next part of that scripture going back there, we see that the testing of our faith produces steadfastness and steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that we might be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Our goal is to not find joy in our marriage, our friendships, our jobs, our kids, our church even. But when the Bible talks about joy, it's a joy that can only come from a deep-rooted relationship with our Creator. Um, Turn to John 10.10, if you would, please. John 10.10 says, says this, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And not only do we know that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and that's a very real thing, but we're also reminded that we have a reason to celebrate. We can have joy that comes from accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. God sent his son to this earth to live a perfect life, to die a perfect death, and to be raised from the dead so that we can have eternal life and have abundant life, as he reminds us. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that when we accept Christ as our Lord, that our trials and troubles will go away. When we accept Christ in our hearts, we're certain to face challenges and trials. As it states in James 1, verse 2, and if that weren't the case, Scripture would have said, count it all joy, my brothers, that you don't have to face 
trials of various kinds. If that weren't the case, that's what it would say. Count it all joy, my brothers, that you don't have to face trials of various kinds. That's not what it says at all. It says, let's go back up there. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet, vari- when you meet trials of various kinds. And so it's implied right there that many times and many times throughout Scripture that we will face hard times. So what can bring us joy? Um, I just remember what it was like uh, when I was a kid and I was scared about something. Um, being in my mother and father's arms brought me joy as a child um, in, in a rough time in my life. You know, if I was scared of something, uh, just the way that parents can wrap a kid up and, and everything just seems all right as a kid. Um, that was joyful to me as a, a child, even though I was, maybe was going through something traumatic or something that scared me but that I that it brought me joy as a child and I know it brought my parents joy as well and so what brings us joy in times of pain is being in the presence of our father our heavenly father and when we spend time with our heavenly father we walk with him and he walks with us and I can tell you that throughout the many seasons of my life that when my relationship with the Lord was the strongest my joy was complete regardless of the circumstances that I was in and it's easy to find joy even in the most challenging and difficult times. And the Bible tells us in many places that our joy can be found in Christ. Galatians uh, 5, 16 through 26, and, I, and I'm not going to probably read all of this, but something else you all, are, another passage you all are familiar with, talking about the fruits of the Spirit, uh, fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16 through 26. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing things that you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such thing will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing there is no law. And so for us, a way to find joy is to stay in step with the Spirit because the fruit of the Spirit is all of those things. It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So once we've accepted Christ in our hearts, the, joy, the, the journey of joy doesn't stop there. Uh, the way for us to have joy, in our growing joy in our relationship with our Heavenly Father is to spend time with Him in meaningful conversation and spending time in His Word. And so consider your best friend, and men, hopefully that is your wives, and wives, hopefully that is your husband, uh, but imagine, uh, imagine this, men. Um, imagine that you're introduced to your wife, and, and obviously you think that she's the most beautiful woman in the world, and I think that my wife is the most beautiful woman in the world. But for that one reason alone, you choose to marry her. And for guys, that's usually just about it. I mean, we just, I mean, that's like the first thing. She's, you know, and so uh, now other reasons that you want to marry her come with time. But let's just be honest. For guys, really, the first thought is. You know, wow, she's beautiful. Ladies, you're a little bit different, thankfully. Um, you have to get to know somebody before you commit. 
and there is, and that's wonderful. <laughs> that's a wonderful trait. Guys, uh, you know, men and guys blindly commit to a lot of things. Uh, while ladies, you study, you observe, you watch closely how he interacts with your family, your friends, what makes him tick, what food he likes, what brand of clothing he wears, uh, whether he knows who Michael Kors is. Um, there's a just, I mean, there's kind of like an endless supply of, of things that you get to know about a man, which is really incredible. And uh, you really do a full case study on a man before you commit to him, which is great. And guys, we really, not so much. We, we tend to look for the first person that can stand to be with us for more than, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. So, I mean, yeah. So imagine this, imagine this, uh, you decide to marry one another, and let's pretend at this point that one of you decides to not, basically decides to stop talking to the other one. And in this case, let's just say the guys, you just decide to stop talking to your wife. You loved her enough to marry her, you found joy in being around her, you committed yourself to her, but now that you've, now you've decided that since you've got her, you just don't need to get to know her anymore. What happens to that marriage? It falls apart. And it really suffers. I mean, the relationship will absolutely suffer. There's no doubt about it. Just because you don't talk to her doesn't mean you're not married, but the relationship will still suffer. And the same goes for our relationship with the Lord. Once you've accepted Christ into your heart, it's a lifelong commitment that you make and you continue to grow in your relationship with Christ. Imagine accepting Christ in your life and never talking to the Lord again. Your relationship suffers. And he's not somebody that you just put on the back burner until you need him and hide him away in a closet until you need something again. Um, and, the, and some of us think that maybe God loses track of us when we do that to him. Uh, but God never loses track of you. He is your father, and he knows you. He knows your every move and your every thought. He knows where you're going to be 10, 20, or 40 years from now, some of us. He knows everything about you. But we have a tendency to hide our lives from him even after accepting him into our hearts. And so spending time in his word and prayer with our Heavenly Father, it will most certainly bring us joy. And so we've talked about a couple of things that can steal our joy and something that can bring us joy, but what, what brings God joy? First of all, we have to believe in God. Scripture is clear that in order to have a relationship, we must believe and put our faith in Christ. In Hebrews eleven six, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those he seeks or who seek him. God also finds joy when we obey. And parents or, or children, uh, I, we don't have kids, uh, but we, um, I can just tell you, parents, your kid, or, uh, kids, your parents really like it when you obey. Um, they really, really like that. Or so I'm told. Um, but John, uh, John 15, 9 through 12, as the Father has loved me, so, I, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this, that my joy may be with you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Part of our growing relationship with our Father is obeying our Father. And again, children, it really brings your parents great joy uh, when you just simply do what you're asked to do. Uh, I remember as a kid making it so difficult for my parents that just want them, you just want your kid to do one easy, simple thing, and it just, kids make it so difficult. And we just do 
you know, as kids, we just do whatever we want to do, and, and that always seems to be not what your parents want you to do. But, uh, and now seeing that, uh, you know, as an adult, and seeing it happen to, uh, for kids and other parents, it's some, it's sometimes it's comical to me because I don't have to deal with the aftermath of the, you know, <laughs> the situation with the kid disobeying their parents. But it's really a quick reminder of how, uh, of how often we do that to God as followers of him and as, as, as children of him. So we t- and we talked about it earlier, but some, something that brings us joy and brings God joy is our continued growth in him through prayer and the reading of his word. And lastly, um, God finds joy when we emulate Christ. And so uh, Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We have to imitate Christ. Be kind to those around you. Lift those up around you in prayer. Encourage one another. Be there for one another in times of need. This year has been, uh, I mean, we can just talk and talk and talk about it, uh, but how true that really has been this year. We have to be there for other folks around us. Jesus came to this earth to live a perfect example of this. He submitted to the Father even to the point of death. He obeyed and he humbled himself and was obedient to the will of his father. And some of us have spent our entire lives looking for joy in our possessions, relationships, and wealth, and so many more things. And we wouldn't know true joy if it walked in the room and sat right beside us. We become blinded to our own desires and our own wants. And joy is all around us. I mean, it can be found all around us. We just can't see it. And honestly, if Jesus in the flesh came walking in this room and said, what do you want from me? Most of us would probably just say, hey, I mean, can I get a photo with, can I get a photo with you? And I mean, Instagram's going to love that one later on. But why, I mean, if Jesus walked in the flesh, in the flesh and walked in here and said, what do you need from me or want from me? We would hide what we really need from him, which is pure joy, which comes from a relationship with him. And it's okay to ask God to bring you joy. And I stole this from, uh, if anyone's familiar with Jeremy Foster, but he's a pastor. Um, But he said, if the answer walks in the room, it's okay to ask the question. And so if Jesus walks in the room and is the answer to what you're looking for, it's okay to ask the question, I, you know, I need you. It's okay to say, it's okay to give him and, and to be open and honest with your with your needs and your wants. As a human being, we have to have and we have to seek after that pure joy that can only come from a relationship with him. It's okay to be honest with God and say, I need you and I want to experience the pure joy that comes from knowing you. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And that really should be our first, the first thing that we would say. But again, you know, a lot of us would probably say, well, we, we really need... Uh, uh, COVID to go away, or we really need a new car right now, or we really need to do the repairs on our house, and we're, we're, we spend so much time focusing on our situation and what we need, and if we would just humble ourselves before the Lord, and he's, he's constantly, I mean, he's just ever-present, if we would just focus on, on our relationship with him, 
Um, that's just, it's what's most important. And so in the spirit of the season, um, I mean, I know it's, it's easy to lose sight of the true meaning of Christmas. And I hope and pray that uh, as this year, as tough as it's been, has been a starting point for some of you and maybe a restart for others. Some of you come each and every Sunday and have spent years, if not in this church and other churches, you've prayed the sinner's prayer, but you've stopped developing your relationship with your father. And he's asking you to rekindle that relationship. He's asking you to continue following him, picking up your cross and following him. So for some of you, it may be a time to recommit your life to Christ. But for some of you, maybe what we've talked about and we've sang about this morning doesn't make any sense. And for some of this, you know, some of you in this room, uh, you may be struggling with your life. And if you can imagine being in the middle of the ocean and the waves are just all around you and you have no life jacket, you have no life preserver, there's not a boat in sight, there's not land in sight. Um, this year has seemed like we're in the middle of an ocean and there's nobody or nothing that can save us. I can't imagine what it would be like to go through this year, let alone without the life, or uh, let alone my entire life without my relationship with God the Father. And if that's you this morning, uh, don't wait any longer. The Lord is calling out to you. He's calling you to trust him. He's calling you to follow him. And some of you here may need to start that relationship. And so I'm going to ask Bridget and Nicholas to come back up. Um, and if you've never given your life to Christ, um, you know, what better, what better time of year to do that than, than around Christmas time. And so I'm going to pray, and we're going to enter into a time of invitation and just ask that, uh, that you, just, uh, you just pray and just ask the Lord to, uh, to speak to you. And I hope he is, and I know he has speak, he's spoken to me over the last couple of weeks uh, preparing this message, but uh, let's, uh, let's, let's go to him in, in prayer and just ask that he continue to guide us and lead us. Father, we, uh, we just come before you this morning, and God, we're just so humbled, Father, to be in your presence. God, we know that you are the author and the, and the perfecter of, of all things, and so God, we just... Uh, we lean on you this morning, God, to provide that pure joy that we so often uh, overlook or, or we look elsewhere for, God. We really, Father, we just want to focus on you, and God, we know that you can bring that pure joy that comes not only this time of year, but every single day of our lives, Father. And, it's, and it, again, it comes from that deep-rooted relationship with you. And so, Father, I just pray, God, that as we leave this building God, as we, as we study your word and we, and we have our, our time of prayer with you, uh, God, I pray that we would, uh, we would continue to grow in our relationship with you. And, Father, we would do those things more often. And, uh, God, we just, we're so thankful for everything that you have done for us. And um, we just give you all the praise and we give you all of the glory, Lord. For you are so worthy. You are worthy to be praised. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. I'll be uh, I'll be down front. Charlie will probably join me down front. But if you just need to come down and and pray this morning um, and just just give some things over to the Lord, uh, the altar will be open. Uh, and like I said, Charlie and I will be down front if you need somebody to pray with you. But let's just uh, let's just take this time of invitation and just and just worship the Lord and spend this time in prayer.